They're squirmy and wormy and purple and green. The grossest little creatures that you've ever seen. Creepy Fill the monster mold with the colored plastic goop and make a creepy crawler from a yucky monster soup. They're ucky, yucky, squirmy, wormy, very scary, sometimes hairy, squiggly, wiggly, creepy crawling. Gross out your sister, embarrass your dad. You can be a little creep without being bad. So Creepy It's Carpenter is a two-month Halloween series featuring the best and the worst of Carpenter's horror movies, including The Fog, Ghost of Mars, Christine, and more. The Thing and They Live sold separately. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coldsploitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? Pretty good. We are back for our special episode. We were We did our Carpenter series, right? We did So Creepy It's Carpenter. We did... The good, the bad, and the ugly of Carpenter. And now we're going to do a Carpenter movie that's not really a Carpenter movie. Tangentially, it's a Carpenter movie. But it no, it does not have John Carpenter's in the title, as you've been bugging me about all throughout this series. Well, because you got it wrong every time. Well, this one doesn't have that in its title at all. So I don't need to even be careful about that because it's not there. You can't call me out on it this time. However, what we are talking about, like I said, it's tangentially related to Carpenter, uh, and that's why it's a special it's a special event for this uh, series, is because Carpenter really only returns, along with his son, Cody Carpenter, to do the soundtrack on this movie and provide characters for the movie, you know, because a lot of times... Uh, in the in these types of movies that are remakes or sequels, they have to have a disclaimer that says like based on characters by John Carpenter. And so that's what we're covering today. That is in the in the credits. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, they have to do that. You have to get your credits in there like that. Um, you know, they have to make sure that they're getting their stipend from the movie. And I'm sure he gets an IMDb credit too, of like well, they, they also, based on characters. Well, they got you know Deborah Hill in there too. I mean, mm-hmm. her state needs some money too. <laughs> of course, of course. But note who's not there: Adrienne Barbeau. Her name's not there anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I always like to get those jabs in. Just stricken from the red record. Yeah. Just... John, but... where's Adrian? <laughs> <laughs> But it always makes it makes sense for us to do this because we've done the rest of the series and we did 2018's Halloween back in 2018. Saw it twice in theaters. So, of course, we're going to come back this year when it finally Dan- releases for Danny Halloween. McBride's Halloween Kills. <laughs> Danny McBride and David Gordon Green's Halloween Kills. Um, Let me just I- say first. Sure. Awful poster. Well, you know, I like the I like the font. I like the orange hue, the mask. I Well, you know, they were attempting to make this into like a series type of thing where, you know, obviously Halloween 2018 has a has the Michael poster. And so they're going along with a the theme, right? So they've they've got Michael Square Center there again. But this time he's on a fire, fiery glow. Is that what it's supposed to be? It just looks like he's got like a bad case of like MRSA or something on his face. Like, yeah, I think that's supposed to be the fire, fire element. Like, oops, he got burned, but he's back. <laughs> um, 
but I mean, I don't mind it. I, it's I I will agree though that it doesn't have the vibe of it, they really. I wish they had gone more of the classic vibe of posters and and artwork. Um, you know, harkening back to the classics because um the those uh seventies and eighties posters are really probably sometimes some of the best parts of slasher movies from that time period is like you look at the poster what's that they gotta lure you in right exactly it's like it's like the uh the paperback horror of the Hmm. of yesteryear too right like probably a majority of those books are just terrible complete garbage (laughs) terrible like written by people who were attempting to be stephen king and and basically had got a rudimentary uh creative writing course things like that but (laughs) The, the artwork on them, fire. And so that's really what drew you in. You're like, fuck, this looks like a great book. This looks like a great movie. I mean, you might end up later on thinking, wow, I wasted my time. But you know what? I still got that sick-ass cover on my on my uh, shelf. I'm going to highlight that. I think maybe because it reminds me too much of the Rob Zombie Halloween poster, which, you know. Do agree. Do agree. It does. Um, like- very much so. Um, Even though Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, you know, that poster is actually pretty cool. Really, you know, nice looking. Mm-hmm. Here, it, here it's, you know, there's parts I like about it. Like I said, I like the font. I like the color. It's just a little too, like, kind of reminding me too much of, like, oh, God, which should have been a sign. Well, to be honest with you, too, um, you know, these Halloweens, especially, like, in Halloween 2018, there were a, quite a few pieces of the film that reminded of Rob Zombie's Halloween that kind of took inspiration from those ideas because it certainly wasn't as understated as Carpenter's Halloween, right? Um, You know, you have that whole scenario that that totally reminded me of a zombie movie um, where Michael has the teeth in his hand and he he, uh, drops the teeth over the the, um, restroom door. And that reminded me straight out of Zombies Halloween uh, when they're in the restroom and, um, you know, there's that whole sequence with um, – um, what's his name? Whoever that – I can't remember. I'm drawing a blank now. But there's the whole sequence in the, in the uh, like, gas station restroom. Um, and it reminded me a lot of Zombies Halloween. And so – I think we're getting like a mix and Halloween kills. I think um, it, it certainly does go above and beyond what most of um, the Halloween series has done before, um, especially Carpenter's films. And we're supposed to kind of, you know, recognize that they're going mostly off of Carpenter because in, remember in this series, none of the other Halloweens exist besides Halloween. And then for Halloween Kills, Halloween 2018. So the rest of the series does not exist. And so the most inspiration should be drawn from Carpenter's Halloween. Um, So it is interesting the direction that they go, which we'll talk about as we get into the show a little bit more. But um, anything else you want to throw out in this intro before we take a break and talk about our beer? No, not really. We'll get into it. We'll get in soon. So first, we're going to talk about the beer on the show today, Um, and we have one that Martin just recently picked up. He did a little surprisey on me, thought he was going with something else, and he comes to my door with a new Guinness beer. Guinness beer 
literally that is just called beer. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring High Life because that's the only beer I saw in the movie that they had tap handle for High Life. So it's finally going to be time to do the champagne of beers, but we'll have to save that for when we do uh, <clears throat> a review of Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I've seen ads for this, you know, uh, quite a few times, so... Um, and always kind of been like somebody when Guinness has something new, I always kind of, which they haven't had anything new in quite a while now, actually. There was a time, and you'll remember on the podcast where we were kind of doing like a Guinness beer every like quarter because they had something new coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of something new that they've done for the first time in a long while, at least that's been available in this area. Right. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll, I'll kind of preface this with is like just kind of having it and thinking about it man guinness is kind of one of those beer brands that you kind of like when you're first starting to like move towards like craft beer that you're like this is some good shit and then when you really start like getting into it you're kind of like man it's okay Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how i've felt about every guinness that we've done on this podcast since, outside of the foreign extra stat, which will always be great. Yeah, I definitely – I went through that phase too. Like there was a time where I used to be super hot and heavy for Guinness where I remember I just turned 21 and I was like going out to a restaurant to get Guinness on and It's like this is – Yeah. Like, this is heavy. Wow. And it's yeah. Like, <laughs> right. It's, it's like, oh, what no. What a stout. It's, it's like if only you knew. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think, yeah, it's like an entry point for stouts. And then you start to get into more heavy territory, <laughs> more uh, thick and hearty. Um, and Guinness starts to taste watery by design. And I'd argue, so. Which I think, too, like I said, like I, as it being like kind of a jumping off point for like craft beer drinkers, I think that's kind of why it's kind of fallen off the map. Kind of the same thing with like Sam Adams now. Sam Adams, you know. When's the last time that you ever thought to yourself, right? Like, I'm going to go and buy that Sam Adams pack right there. Yeah, it's very kind, true. Kind of just like, eh. It's gone you know. away. You know, same thing, too, at least in this area, like Saranac. It's kind of like, eh. I'll take the Oktoberfest, but that's about it. Unfortunately. So, but they got something new today, and it's not a stout. It's nitro cold brew coffee beer. Right. Yeah, it's a new one that they've got out. Um, you know, it's 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 basically cold brew coffee and beer combined. And apparently on Untapped, they do have it categorized as a stout. Um, but I'd say this beer is very coffee-y. It definitely does have the nitro widget in it, which gives it a lot of um, nice nitro uh, heft to it. Puffiness, cloudiness, whatever you want to call it. Um. Uh, what what I will say, you know, and two, the, the the coffee flavor is pretty good, um, but what I noticed the most is that it is very very thin. It's very thin, um, and and almost um, I don't know. It's got like it's almost like a watered down flavor to it. I don't know if you felt felt the same way. No, I definitely <clears throat> I can uh, concur totally. I think it's uh. It does the coffee right. It's actually very roasted, very, you know, chocolatey, you know, like a nice cup of coffee, like a really nice like kind of gourmet cup. Having said that, though, even though if you let it linger in your mouth and you get 
those deep, nice flavors. It is watery as shit. <laughs> it, it, I like love it, your descriptions. You're, you go into a nice description and you're just like, watery as shit. Well, it is. It's like, like, <clears throat> like okay, like, it's like you got your, like, your, your filter with the grounds and it's all great at first, like, you know, right before you make it. And then it's like, no, all you're tasting is water after that. Mm-hmm. It's like you're drinking a bottle of Poland Spring after. Yeah. Yeah, there's just something about the thinness of it that uh, that does it a little dirty. Um, I feel like if there had been a little bit more base to it, a little bit more mouthfeel. Um, Hardy, like an actual, like, you know, body. Yeah, chunkiness. <laughs> Campbell's Chunky. It Make needed a, nice, a little bit a more chunk. of. Yeah. Needed a nice chunky boy. Yeah. If it had a little bit more of that, I think it would be a fairly solid beer. But for me, this is just a real, real middle of the road beer. Um, it um, it shows again why Guinness has kind of fallen out of favor for me, and you know, there's just a lot of people making stouts at this point. Um, there's a lot of different styles that are coming out, and pretty much year round at this point. You know, there's not. It's not like stouts are just kept to a minimum until winter anymore. They're they're pretty much a year round thing, and people are making different ones all the time. And experimenting with different flavors and, you know, a coffee stout too is, is pretty popular at this point. Um, I feel like Guinness, you know, they had a chance to, um, really get out of the box here a little bit. Um, you know, their, their, um, famous nitro widget, uh, could have added even more, um, nuance to their, their beer. Cause they've pretty much got that nitro widget copyrighted by this point and, and trademarked, um, and while it's it's fine, uh, I think that there are others that are doing the coffee stout, coffee beer, um, much better, with m- way more flavor. Um, and I just, you know, it was a good attempt, but it just shows <sighs> that they're kind of on the bottom of the, and I, I they're not even really craft at this point. I wouldn't call them, you know, super craft. They're pretty much macro. Um. Well, they've always been uh, macro. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying it's always been kind of like a gateway because mm-hmm. it's like <clears throat> was like the one available like stout that's like oh you know that you could get. Yep. And now, you know, the market's littered with it. So I think honestly, like if, like if they kind of made this like you know have like the body of like the foreign extra stout or mm-hmm. the just the extra stout in general, it'd probably be a very good beer because the extra stout's actually stouty, and then the foreign extra is like a. Never had it. <clears throat> really good, you know, basic but very, you know, complex uh, stout because you get, like, it's, I think, close to, like, an imperial on the, on the alcohol. Yeah, I think it is, but, yeah. <clears throat> but it's not very alcoholic and it's got a very good, you know, flavor profile with it. So, it's just, you know, disappointing that, again, like, I mean, I kind of figured, yeah. you know, what this would be, but it's just, you know, kind of like a disappointing reminder of, like, oh... They used to be like great. You go to World of Beer and you're like, I'll have a Guinness. <laughs> they better better pour it right. The other thing too about this is that it's only four percent, so it's pretty. Yeah, I already hear you're on number two. I am on number two, and the other thing too is that because of I believe because of the nitro widget, you're only getting fourteen point nine ounces in this baby. That also may be because of the um, conversion. 
But what's the milliliters on it? Um, I don't. Does it list? It should. Usually it does. It'll say fluid ounces and then the milliliters. It doesn't underneath the fluid ounces, and I can't be arsed to check anywhere else on it because I'm in the dark. So. <laughs> and it, the the serving size even has the gall to say twelve ounces. So what are you supposed to do with that last like two point four ounces there or two point nine ounces that you've got? Just dump it. Like we <laughs> serving sizes. Well, I always hate that. Ideally twelve. I always hated that too when it came to. Uh, it's four hundred forty milliliters point six four. So you know even. <laughs> I, I always hated like that, like too. Like I'm glad now that like when they like have like the nutritional facts and like your 20 ounce Pepsi, like it tells you what the like oh what the whole bottle is because like before it's like a serving is eight ounces. Oh yeah, who's drinking? No eight one's ounces? gonna do that. I will say when you pour the bitch out, it does have a nice fucking head on it from the nitro. No, it does. Um, but I feel like they focus so much on the nitro head. And leave out the body. It's like, yeah, that's great. My first sip is going to be all head. Awesome. You know, that's <laughs> nice. I like I like head in getting multiple f- scenarios. Getting that froth on your mustache. Like, oh. Yeah. But also, I would like it to have more of a body than, like, Gatorade swill. <laughs> so I think that summarizes that pretty well. All right. You ready for this? Evil dies tonight. It ends tonight. I don't don't know the rest of the song, but I do know that one little lyric. Yeah. All right. So Halloween kills. So we must preface this by saying Martin and I did not watch this film together. We did not even watch it in the same time frame. I watched it like a week ago. Martin saw it yesterday in theaters. I was not allowed to go to the theater because my wife dictates what I do outside the house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it just because of COVID and, you know, our 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 place is like 45% vaccinated. So it's kind of always a crapshoot when you go out. You're like, oh, I might be infecting myself. Who knows? And it hasn't, been, it hasn't budged in like three months. Yeah. I have immunocompromised children and immunocompromised mother. And so... I just didn't risk it. Martin went out and saw it and turns out, hey, no one was at the theater anyway. So probably would have been fine. But Nice, nice four o'clock matinee. I was the only one in there. <laughs> Enjoyed it. A, a private screening. It was great. I, I, I got to do that more often. I know. That, that is I'll nice probably, when you get a probably, nice private screening. Probably going to go do that like next week. Go see a catch a matinee of No Time to Die. Mm. There's the only one in there. Well, I might join you now if now that I know that no no one's going. <laughs> it's the safest place in our area to go. <laughs> no one's there. Don't go to Walmart. That's like the the whole yeah, you'll you know, die. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. It's basically a hospital ward, but go to go to the the theater, no one's there. You're, you're totally safe. Do your do your bidding there. So, I am going off of a week's uh time frame of remembering this movie. So, if I get things wrong, you know, go a little easy on me. I've only seen it one time. I saw it a week ago. So, you know, doing the best I can to remember. I've watched three other Halloween movies in that time frame. So. It's all going to bleed together. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
says a lot about the distinctions between the films. Like. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. No, that happened in Halloween 5. Mm, no. Oh, no. no. Well, that one happened with Paul Rudd. The one, remember the one with Paul Rudd? No one remembers the one with Paul Rudd, except Paul Rudd. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Paul Rudd doesn't even remember being in that film. It would be pretty funny if uh, the Halloween 2018 series was like, we're going to do, you know, all of the films exist in this universe except Halloween 6. See, that's wrong because that's the one they sh- – no. They sh- if they if anything, Paul- Halloween H2O shouldn't exist because it's a scream. It's basically scream with Michael Myers. You'd pick H2O over Resurrection? At least Resurrection is just no. basically another Halloween. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's true. Halloween Trick Resurrection or treat. is more like scream too. Trick or treat, motherfucker. It's great. Go listen to our episode on that one. I don't even remember <laughs> what we said, but I'm sure it was good. I don't to be honest, I don't remember either. I remember probably be like, well, you know it's early two thousands because Buster Rhymes and Tyra Banks are in this film. Um Ooh, and Thomas <laughs> Ian Nichols. That's a wow, that Nicholas, that's a oh. All right. Hey, Mr. American Pie. The Halloween kills. So no, you're getting it wrong. Dan- <laughs> Yeah, Dan, David Gordon Green's David Danny McBride's Halloween Kills. So this is picking up pretty much right after the end of Halloween 2018, and so right then and there, you've got the Halloween two, um, you know, odes. Right, uh, Michael Myers was was trapped in Laurie's booby trapped house, burning up, and. Thankfully, we have a very dedicated fire team that are on top of this situation. They head straight to Lori's house. Her, well, I shouldn't say house. I should say compound because it's more like a prepper's compound. And she's, uh, <laughs> she's burnt from tremors in this uh, in the series. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they head, st- but they head straight there. You know, because we've we've got a nice prepared team in Haddonfield. Um, Seems like a nice community, right? And Halloween Kills gets into that a little bit. And they, they thankfully are trying to put out this, this massive fire at, at Lurie's compound. And so that's where we, we pick up, right? With with Michael doused in flames, but yet still okay. Because evil never dies. No, evil dies tonight. <laughs> and he makes his way out of the house and... Basically butchers an entire squad of firefighters. Which, man, let's talk about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. One, didn't know we stepped into the Friday the 13th universe. Yeah, it's very Jason-like. <laughs> in the, yeah. yeah. And how he goes about and, you know, just slaughters them easily. Two, fucking idiots like in a kung fu movie or... Or going at this asshole one at a time, mm-hmm. you know, it's just mind-boggling. Like, hey, this guy fucking, like, crushed this guy's head in the house, <laughs> came out on fire, got, like, <laughs> hit a couple of times, still walking, like, All I right, think I'll go- try an axe. And, like, line up. I, I like, too, that the guy, like, with the fucking, like, you know, uh, fireman's, like, uh, buzz saw, like, for, do- like, you know, to take down doors and debris sitting there, like, holding it up, like, all right. After the five guys beat him with the sticks, then I'm going to go. 
when it's my turn, hit him with, you know, this. And then he just sits there as his their friends get butchered. And then he just takes that and, you know. Which, I mean, it's cool. It's like a cool little bit, like, to see him, like, just, like, you know. Destroy a fire squad. Yeah, just, like, but it's stupid at the same time. And it's also, like, yeah, like, like I said, it's very, like, Friday the 13th Yeah, it's like, you know, just, it, they just, so, in the later films where they just have Jason just, like, basically Goku-ing the fuck out of Yeah, it, it's also really off from what supposedly has happened in prior Halloweens. Because if we think about what happened, only Halloween 1978 and Halloween 2018 exist in this universe. And this is very different than the Michael of Halloween 1978, who is very calmly, patiently biding his time um, in the shadows you know, waiting for particular instances <laughs> to, uh, t- to take out and, and enjoying the kills for what they are. In this scenario with the firefighters, this is, um, is way overkill. And it's, it just seems really, um, just, just out of the norm for what we have seen so far from, from Halloween and, and Michael. Um, I, I didn't love it. I didn't love the scene particularly. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's, you know, obviously any scene where somebody butchers 15 guys in a Game of Thrones style um, slaughter, yeah, slaughter uh, will – it will seem cool and it's choreographed well and shot well um, with fire in the background. It's every, you know, action fan's wet dream. But um, – when you're, when you're done with it, you're, you're just like, oh. Yeah. It, well, it, that's – just leaves a weird taste. And and I think that's – like I wanted to start there too because I think it sets the tone for ha- Halloween Kills that this is going to be a different movie than Halloween 2018, which um, like I said, had a little bit more of the gore brutality borrowing from zombies movies but also seemed a little bit more set piecey, you know, where it had particular set pieces of Michael killing people and it seemed a lot more – structured around Carpenter's 1978 original. <gasps> Excuse me, sorry. And this one, I feel like Howman Kills felt it needed to take it up a lot of notches. Not just like one notch where it's like we need to outdo Halloween 2018, but many notches. And we see that again and again throughout the movie. Um, and that was one of – so I guess I will say – Right off the bat, I I don't want to disparage Halloween Kills because I did enjoy watching it. Um, however, I did hope for more, and so there was definitely some disappointment after watching this movie. Um, and I hope to document that on this podcast where it doesn't just sound like I am, you know, making fun of Halloween Kills or saying like I totally hated it. I didn't hate it. I liked it enough, but I also felt like it was a huge step down from 2018's Halloween. Um, I almost feel like when they were kind of writing this, they kind of felt like what, like what the fuck do we do now? Mm-hmm. Like they like yeah. felt felt like they wrote themselves into a corner, which I, I they th- obviously obviously didn't, and then they kind of couldn't decide on how like what they wanted to do. Like okay, well, so technically Halloween two doesn't exist. Do we do want, want to remake Halloween two? Do we want to do that? Yeah. Eh, I don't know. Do we want to go more like you said, like zombie esque, where he's like you know just a killing machine, like. 
what do we want to do? And they kind of, they went half pregnant on their ideas and couldn't like, didn't pick something and follow through. Cause this film's got too many, uh, irons in the fire and with its, with its ideas and how it plays out because we get all these flashbacks to 19, you know, the aftermath of the first film that we didn't get to see and all this other stuff that like, you know, is very like minimal. Like, it's not explored enough to be, have anything that's kind of wholly interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're right in that they weren't really sure what they wanted to do particularly. It definitely seems like they were working on the ghost of Halloween 2 because there's a lot of similarities to Halloween 2. You're picking up the night of. Um, there's Lori in a hospital. Um, Lori not doing a whole lot. I recently rewatched Halloween 2 and there's things that I think we brought up on the show before when we did Halloween 2 but – that I, I thought were, were interesting as well because uh, a lot of Halloween 2 has television shots of Night of the Living Dead playing on TV with Barbara. And Halloween 2 does follow that a lot where Lori doesn't have a whole lot to do. She's like Barbara. She really doesn't do a whole lot for like three quarters of the movie until the very oh, end. Oh, Loomis will come and yeah, save Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> and so that always felt like a Barbara moment where – and, and at least in Halloween 2, Lori was not a badass. She basically was incapacitated for most of the movie. And that happens in, in Halloween Kills as well. You know, Lori doesn't have a lot to do in this movie. She is mostly in a hospital bed, you know, for the majority of the time. And that does feel like they wrote themselves into a corner a little bit in Halloween 2018 where, again, they were left with Lori not being able to do a whole lot. Now, I don't know if they had an idea for this sequel and trilogy like they say now, but it does feel like in Halloween Kills that they weren't really sure what to do. That's, there's a very fine line between you know picking up where you left off when you have Michael basically on fire um, and trying to figure out what to do with that next. Um, and I, I think that they, they definitely had a, a hard time figuring out what to do in Halloween Kills that could fill time – uh, without Lori being in it. And so I do – I mean I think that's an issue because Lori is a, a driving force in Halloween 2018. However, I do think they do a – they go a good route by saying, um, you know what? Lori's not really the target here. She's not the f- focus of what Michael is doing. Um, which, <clears throat> which makes sense mm-hmm. because – Striking out Halloween 2, because Halloween 2 is the film that introduced the whole idea of Laurie and Michael being brother and sister. So, that makes sense, but at the same time, why uh, why would then Laurie believe that Michael's coming after her? Right. So, I think so- it's an interesting idea, because... You know, it's playing off of the audience's lore of knowing about – so that's the thing about this these series too that is, is sort of interesting, confusing, meta-like. The audience knows about the lore of other Halloweens, hopefully. However, those don't exist. So you are working off of the the ghost of that lore but also reinventing it. And so – it's an interesting dynamic because now you have the ghost of the lore that Lori is a target and yet in this movie they 
kind of retcon that and they say, wait a second, no, Lori's not a focus at all. Like, Michael doesn't give a shit. He just is coming back to Haddonfield and murdering people uh, because he was, you know, unfortunately goaded on by a couple of podcasters who fucked around and found out. Um, and, the, you know, he doesn't really have a goal of going after Lori. I think it's an interesting idea because in Halloween 2018, they took the the time to focus on the fact that Judy Greer's character, Karen, has really been subject to basically worrying about Michael and becoming a prepper her entire life. Lori's been focused on building her house into a compound and, you know, basically practicing her shooting skills every day and um, setting her house, uh, setting up her house so that it has like various um, areas where she can create fires and shut off rooms. And all of that was really for nothing because Michael doesn't really care too much about her. You know, he just wants to kill people. Now, I like that idea. However, I find that it creates a different issue in that Halloween Kills doesn't really give us an idea of what Michael is doing, what he wants, what the focus of this trilogy is going to be. I just, I didn't get a feeling that there was any reasoning to Michael and that's fine. That's okay. If there's no reason for Michael that he's just evil, but I didn't get a feeling for one way or the other. Well, that's the problem though. It's fine if he's just evil, but the film plays it like, again, like I said, this film is, is a, perfect remake of seven michael is kevin costner avenging all the seven deadly sins he's the conduit for evil itself that's why he's a unrelenting unstopping force he can't be killed because no matter what he's just out to kill to avenge for the lord and but like that's what it comes across as like he's just like the harbinger of death and we get to see that throughout as meandering and aimless as it is, and then you have certain people who were from the first film being like, we should listen to Loomis. Loomis knew he was evil. <laughs> if only we we did something and then flashback and how, you know, especially when you see, like, the flashbacks of how they captured Michael, it seems so fucking stupid and improbable. Right, just, you know, the <laughs> cops are outside waiting There was, for like, ten, ten cops, and one of them just hit him in the head, and that's, like, you know... Boom. Right, especially because, like, now apparently just being in captivity for uh, years and years, for 40 years, he's just been, like, I don't know, he's been hitting the gym. Well, society's <laughs> just gotten out of hand, Ryan, with the pornography and the metal music, and hate. F- we're falling further away from God every day. So that's why Michael's, you know, able to be even stronger and harder and faster than ever before, because... We've got teens cross-dressing as... Yes. As, uh... Gender fluidity, um, yeah. all this stuff, gay couples, it's, you know, and I'm Bob. Like I said, like, it's... We're obviously joking about that because it, it, clearly that's not the intent of, you know, like... Of... It's not, but at the same time, it kind of, I mean, it's, I'm not saying, like, the whole, like, why he is, but, I mean, the intent is that he is the unrelenting force of evil. Like, mm-hmm. he is, like, the conduit of evil. Like, they're taking what Loomis said into, like, very literal terms and then 
applying that to him being a man, like I said, they're making him like Jason, a fucking just cyborg that you can't stop. Yeah, like, like, like he's li- he's literally like a, a Terminator, like he's a T, yeah. you know, T one thousand, just you know. And I think that's an interesting, it, but it's it's mostly a problem for this movie because, um, the film clearly, you know, we're looking at a trilogy. We know that the next film is titled Halloween Ends. But this movie does not give us any indication of metaphorically what is the end to this evil. What do we? What should we do to stop it? Um, not only now, that, but the film tried. I was gonna say the first film gave us nothing to kind of. Uh, there wasn't any like you know overarching like you know yeah. allegory in it. It was just not not too much really. Yeah, right. It was it was what I want to say is it was very much more. Nuance set PC about this one particular storyline. And now Halloween Kills takes that and kind of blows it up to a very a much wider proportion. And I think that that is a problem across the board for Halloween Kills. As I said, it feels like they felt like they needed to go bigger. And so they went really big. Not only with the kills, with the brutality, with the gore, uh, with the amount of kills happening on screen at once, um, which I don't mind so much, but with the amount of people in the movie as well. So I get the fact that they wanted to bring originals back. They wanted to bring Tommy back. They wanted to bring uh, Marion back, which is a cool nod, right? You've got the original people um, from – the the 1978 film they've they have ba- basically been living their life for 40 years they've been in a state of like trying to deal with their PTSD as best as possible and actually kind of celebrating it on Halloween night to a to a point and um you've got them that's fine perfectly fine and I I don't mind that so much but the my bigger issue is that they've blown things up to a a huge proportion where it takes away some of the suspense of a a nuanced um, small scale slasher movie. Um, there's a reason why slasher movies from the 70s and 80s that were the most effective are are very um, lightly populated, right? You have well, like eight people, five people, something like that. Well, Be- the, say the original Halloween, three people, three people, because <laughs> that's a nice, intense suspenseful scenario where you do not have the luxury of being around people of groups and Halloween kills actually circumvents that it it takes away all of the intimacy of having very little population. And it says, Hey, what, what if we had a gigantic population? What if we took the mob part of Halloween 2 that we don't really get to see too much of except for the fact that they're throwing rocks through windows at at the Myers house? What if we took that and we blew it up and we have a gigantic mob scene throughout the entire hospital? And I think that that's a mistake because it takes away all of the intimacy of something like Halloween 2 set in a hospital, although not realistic, 
where literally there's no one around. It's just like a ghost town of a hospital with a few nurses, a shitty security guard. I don't and know. That's from what I hear. That's your average hospital these days. Unstaffed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Skeleton, right. Right. Unstaffed now. Unstaffed, but <laughs> seven hundred people waiting. Yeah. So yeah. like there wouldn't be any like staff there, but you'd have like eight hundred people. You know. Yeah. Lined waiting up to be triage, seen in the ER. Triage. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's a mistake in Halloween Kills because there is really no intimacy to this movie. It's constantly populated. Whether you're in a in a pretty full bar, whether you're in the hospital that is just full of mob, um, you know, those moments, they seem to take away from some of the suspense that you should be getting from this scenario. And I think that that bigger is not better in this case. No, I I agree, and I, I think too. Also, I like I the idea of you know mob uh, frontier justice. Good idea, actually. You know, if I were probably put in that situation, I'd be like, listen, we need to fucking get a posse going if we're gonna deal with this. You know, granted. That would be started before I knew, oh, he just took on 11 firefighters. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, you'd be like, you know? whoa, whoa, wait a second. Um, <laughs> hit, you know, posse hit the may, maybe not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, but I It doesn't mean, work. But <clears throat> I think that's a good idea because that's, I mean, it's kind of, you know, as we said before the podcast, kind of briefly explored in like Halloween 4 where you had like them being like, fuck this, you know, and a couple of guys, you know, posse up into a couple gangs of trucks. So I think that would have been a cool idea if Anthony Michael Hall was able to like uh, actually rile up like half of Haddonfield and get them to actually be a mob and try to hunt down Michael Myers, but they don't. They mainly break off into groups of three, get slaughtered, check in back to Anthony Michael Hall. And he's like, "Oh, can't believe that happened," and then like, "Oh, can't believe that happened again," and then they just sit in the hospital and fucking try to kill some poor man. Like, it would have been a lot more interesting, like like I said, if you had an actual posse, like, half the town going through the town, trying to deal with Mike, find and deal with Michael Myers. Because the smart thing would be, you know, to have, like, 700 of you, not, you know, just break, alright, split off into your groups, yeah, you take your crappy little Camry over there, <laughs> yeah. drive down to this part of town, you, you go to this place, and... Missed opportunity. I definitely it, – it takes away the intimacy and, um, you know, it, I guess it's nice to have like those groups of three because then we get a little bit more – like there's the whole Halloween 3 um, – Homage. Uh, yeah, homage where the, you've got the kids in the masks um, that takes place. But ultimately – and I, I even compare it to Halloween 2018. There's no moment like when um, – um uh what's her name? Um Andy Andy what's her name's character? Um Allison. Allison. Uh when Allison and her friend are walking home from the party through the uh like cutting through uh, a person's yard. You're you're just saying that because there's no shape chases Allison in this well, there is. Yeah, that, actually that song is, is repurposed in this one. But there's no moment like that where the scenario is – and the the music conjures a very suspenseful moment. I feel like this, this movie misses out on a lot of those elements. Um, there are a couple that kind of come close. 
the Big John Little John sequence I think is uh somewhat uh close to that. Um because it has like a cat and mouse game that's being played. Um and you've got Michael McDonald too, so we just must mention that. Michael McDonald is a favorite of ours. We ever since Leprechaun 2, we've loved <laughs> Michael McDonald and and movies. Um so I think that that comes close, but there there's not a scene that matches the intensity of Halloween 2018's intimate kills. And even we didn't even mention the fact that Halloween 2018 has that really really great long form um scene that follows Michael through houses and uh you know through the garage grabbing a hammer um and callbacks to the original um this one misses all of that in in favor of going way bigger and i think that's it's just a huge mistake well um, i think too like it's also too like with like more like n- very nuanced like continuity things like when we had the flashbacks and like oh we found the dog yep never mind you know it's like oh what the, like Oh, what's that referencing? Oh, that's from the first one when Dr. Loomis finds a dead dog. He's like, he was hungry. You know, so it's kind of like, that's a very kind of like in the weeds type of continuity thing. Yeah. That doesn't really, that doesn't really conjure anything up as, like you said, like in hot, like 2018 with like him having like the actual tracking, you know, shots that are very similar to Halloween one, two of him, like, you know, going from house to house killing people on his way to try to get you know to back to his house is more impactful same thing too with like at the uh, end when you know we have like the tracking shots of like him chasing judy uh judy greer at the end is very reminiscent of like halloween one and two as like in where like the path that kind of follows that he went through you know those are like little nuances that like oh you know make you go like oh yeah it's like that where like these other continuity things are like, oh, they're cool, but they're like, you know, really for like hardcore, you know, yeah, like, people that would remember, yeah. But, but I don't, but I don't, at the same time, I don't think they'd be like, oh, what a cool Easter egg. They'd still be like, all right, you know. Right. I mean, I definitely had that fear that Halloween Kills would have a hard time coming up with more stuff to pull from just the first movie because you know they were running out of stuff. They did a lot of stuff in Halloween 2018. They they pulled a lot of things. And then you kind of run out after a while. They kind of cheated a little bit. They kind of used from Halloween 2, which literally doesn't exist in in this continuity, um, which I think is fine, you know, for for fans. But, yeah, they they were still able to get quite a bit in from Halloween. Um, You know, I like like the mentions of Ben Tramer and stuff like that because in Halloween 2, obviously, Ben Tramer dies, but that didn't happen. So you've got mentions of Ben Tramer. You've got Charles Cipher's back as, as Sheriff Brackett. Um, you know, you, you, you got all like these people returning, which I like, I think it's really cool. You got Lonnie coming back. Um, those are cool ideas. Um, and I also like the fact that they focused on some other people from the Halloween 2018 that didn't really get a lot of time. Like remember, uh, Lonnie's kid, Cameron, who, you know, basically threw, uh, Allison's phone in the punch and then like was forgotten for the rest of the movie. He's back in this movie, and I like that because they they kind of returned to that continuity. They didn't just say, you know what, forget about him. Um, I think that's a good idea. I will say that I think that this movie should have focused a lot more on alternate 1978. 
I think that's one of the most interesting moments in Halloween Kills. When we return to 1978 and see basically Halloween 2 play out in a different way. I think that's really interesting. I feel like a better scenario for this movie entirely would have been to forego doing anything in 2018 and returning to 1978 and showing an alternate time frame of what happened then. Um, I wish they had done more of that because I think that's way more interesting than what we get in 2018. But just um, to think though, like with like how much of CGIing and fucking Donald Pleasance they'd have to do. Well, they did a good job, and he's not CGI. No, they... It's makeup. It's not CGI. Oh, who is it then? It's a guy, and they just did good makeup on it. That wasn't Lewis's voice that they were using. Uh, I don't believe so. No, nope, nope. They just did a good job with the makeup. Because the way it was, uh, I was gonna say the way it was uh, shot made it look like it was. Uh... No, it's definitely makeup. Definitely uh, a guy who kind of looks like Loomis, and they did makeup to uh, to get him fully there. They did a really good job with the makeup effects. That that for sure. I love the 1978 elements. I think that's so much more interesting than what we got with the mob justice and following, you know, the one, um, the one escaped uh, mental hospital patient that uh, Karen kind of takes under her wing, um, or, uh, as I like to call him, the penguin, because he he looks like a nice penguin stand-in. Um, let's talk about the hospital scene too, the mob targeting this guy, because to me, it doesn't make sense. How do none of these people know approximately what Michael looks like just from his build alone? It should be clear that this little dude (laughs) who is like a five foot four, like kind of, you know, bulkier guy is not Michael. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. No, that's stupid. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, why would they fall for this? Well, because the whole, you know. stirred into a frenzy and they're not thinking. Yeah, exactly. But still, you know, it's fucking stupid. Mm. And like I said, the whole having them all crowded into that hospital is fucking stupid. Like, why aren't they, like you said, like, Tommy's out there, like, we're going to do frontier justice. Listen, if you're not willing to get your hands dirty, go inside. But if you're willing to get your hands dirty, let's go. We're going to find this bastard. We're going to kill Michael Myers tonight. Evil dies tonight. Well, they spend half the movie in the fucking hospital. (laughs) And and what do they do? Not do that. They just sit there and go, evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Yeah. Evil dies tonight. Unfortunately, the evil dies tonight is not going to age well for this movie. It it is certainly a cringier element um, just because they return to it so often. Um, Not only that, but I think Tommy as a character is really uh, poorly written. Um, And not acting. Anthony Michael Hall is dreadful. (laughs) Yeah. The whole, you know, like having a baseball bat against Michael is, is not, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. It was – so, you know, I Googled. No, it's not a guy in makeup. It's Donald Pleasance. 
No, it's got to make up for sure. I saw it on. They have they have uh, images of uh, the guy getting in makeup for for Pleasance. To Mono Pleasance. Nah, I think they just CGI them in like they do with like all the uh, the Star Wars films now. Like every time someone dies now, they just have a body actor there and they CGI in the face. Like, hey, you want to ha- be see Peter C- Cushing in Uncanny Valley? There you go. No, Tom Jones Jr. played Loomis. Tom Jones is dead. Tom Jones Jr. <laughs> it's his it's his son. <laughs> no, maybe they pulled Tom Jones right from from the grave. But no, yeah, well Tom Jones isn't dead. Tom Jones, Sir Tom Jones is still with us. <laughs> but no, I mean like it's like it's so just like again, like I like the idea of like what what would a posse do and then like have like ma- most of the stuff that like kills the posse have it like not really be like Michael, have it be their own stupidity because mm-hmm. they're trying to go with this whole, you know, showing like you know, when we turn into a mob, we turn into like an angry collective and we become the monster. It's even they even say it in the fucking film for you. We've become the monsters. You know, he's turned us into the monster. If you weren't, you know, getting the symbolism. So that would have been like better. It's like having Michael going on his own little killing spree and these assholes trying to track him down and doing stuff to get themselves killed. Yeah. You know, that would have been more interesting than them huddled into the hospital. It's a total waste of time. It's pretty boring for the most part, yep. all those parts. Yep. And not only that, if they were going to do that, they should have just remade Halloween 2. They were going to put it in the hospital and have all this fucking fall, der- you know, boulder dash going on there. They should have just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, had gr- them d- I totally agree because this movie at an hour and 45 minutes feels ultimately too fast and too slow. And. It's too fast because it breezes through the 1978 stuff, um, and it it also does not really give much information about Michael whatsoever of, about what his intentions are, um, you know why he looks, at, why he does the things he does in this movie, like uh, putting a married couple together when he murders them, uh, stabbing a man over and over with like multiple knives and like looking puzzled about it. Uh, it does not explain any of that. Like, what were they actually going for there? Um, why does he return to this window that they're so adamant about looking, him looking out over Haddonfield? Is that all he wants to do? Is he a dog that just likes to stare out the window in Haddonfield? He doesn't want to be, you know, Karen's in his way, so get the fuck out of the way. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look out my window. It doesn't maybe, go. Maybe you'll find out that the window's actually like a portal to, like, the underworld. It's actually going to be like a... Half remake, I mean, half sequel to Halloween Kills, and it's going to be a half remake of uh, Prince of Darkness. Or, you know what, maybe it's going to go the the uh, Jason goes to hell route and connect to Evil Dead. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but so that part of it all feels like they did not do enough, right? It's too, too, too short of a time span to get all that information in. But the too long piece is when we're at the hospital because that, like – middle i don't know like three quarter like three quarters of the way through just takes forever it's very boring um it feels too long and it you know it it gets rid of the intensity of other scenes surrounding it like uh the little john big john scene or um some of the other elements that the movie does better than the hospital mob scene they tried to shoehorn that in it doesn't work and I think it really 
makes Halloween Kills feel like a an uneven movie. Um, we talked a lot about what we don't like about this movie. Um, what did you like about the movie? Evil dies tonight. Oh, you like that part? Yeah. Well, that's um, good because it happened like fifteen times. So yeah. Um, no, I do like the flashbacks to '78. I think it's interesting. However, I won't say it's a fully. It's not fully well executed because there's bits where they go back where it's kind of stupid. Like the whole his, his butt when they run into Michael up into the you know room, and then his partner gets captured and then he shoots him in the neck and the whole him freaking out about it and then the other cop being like, hey, just give me your gun, you know. We don't need to tell him what happened, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, kind of pointless. It doesn't really, it doesn't add anything to the story. You know, any development, really. The same thing, too, with, like, how they capture Michael at the end of that and is stupid. Because, again, it makes no sense, like, unless, you know, they go into, like, some elaborate plan later on, like, how he gets his strength, of how then he would have been captured by, like, a couple of cops and then just submitted to them. Because in that thing, he's just on his knees and he's, like, submitted to them, like, oh, you got me. <laughs> yeah, he just, like, okay. Yeah, hey, hey, no problem. <laughs> found me. You know, that's stupid. But I do like the whole, like, I do like, you know... I do like the bits with Loomis where they have him being, you know, yelling like, did you kill him? Did you kill the devil? You know, that's, you know, that was cool. And you're right. I think that the film would have been better off if they just set the film in 78 and have it be like, okay, make it Halloween too. But this time it's not going to be maybe just in the hospital. Maybe it would be set, you know, you know, somewhere different or more focused on like, you know, the manhunt afterwards, you know, as they're like, actually going to be a manhunt. Um, I like that part. I like the kills in the film. I think for the most part, the gore in this is done well. The kills are really brutal and very visceral. Um, not overly creative, but, you know, they are like, ooh, you know. And for the most part, the people he kills are very, you know, just there for fodder. You know, the whole... Uh, old couple that he finds they're flying a drone and talking about let's have cheese its and wine before he fucking kills them is you know you know it's tedious getting to the killing but it, they're they're just so like oh yeah he can you know shove his arms through the house and like rip the one guy through the window or and grab like a fluorescent light bulb and like break it and then shove her you know shove it in the girl's neck and then you know So, what did you think about Carpenter's score? The the car I should say the Carpenter's score, Cody and and John. It's all right. It's basically your normal Halloween fair, but this time they add piano. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think it has, has an, um as much of the surprise as Halloween twenty eighteen had. It's a little a little more bombastic. Cause it's like piano and then like choral. Like so, like I do like like the opening. I think like you know the opening credits is pretty cool because going back you know like the first you know when they did twenty eighteen being more traditional Halloween the pumpkins and then you know having them go on fire and you had the, the, this time the jack o' lanterns are on fire and they're chasing you like coming at the screen but you, you know it's got the it's have a synth it's a piano and like a, oh 
you know, which I do love when we ad- attempt to to uh, mimic the sounds. Yeah, mimic the sounds. It's yeah, great, yeah. but it's a little uh, a little too bombastic. Yeah, I think it's it's fine. Like I said, it's just not a surprise. It it didn't. There was none, nothing that really popped out to me this time. Um, it does change things up a little bit, which is exactly what you want. Just like Halloween one to two, um, you know, changes things up. But I don't know. It to me, it, there wasn't as much that stuck out as like, oh wow, you know, um, a, a nice change up from Halloween twenty eighteen. But uh, I guess it's just me. Um, well, you didn't say what you like, so like I was the one. You know, you asked me what I liked. Would you? Would, so what'd you like? Like, what, what did you pull out of this that you were like, I like that? Um, so like I said, I really like the 1978 scenes. Um, I think that that is the most interesting part of it of the movie. Like you said, I'm not super into like the whole cop shooting cover up thing. Um, I, I I could have done without that, but. In general, returning to 1978, seeing, like, Michael in the alleyway, like, you know, actually happens um, in the original movies uh, is an interesting idea. I like the the element of adding the hospital to this movie and you're, you're kind of creating an alternate Halloween 2. However, I just, you know, I, I think they, they went a little too far with that. Um, I like the kills. The kills are nice and brutal. Uh, I like the return to... Um, some of the grief that people would have, you know, uh, Karen with her husband, you know, just kind of thinking about it post killing and saying like, wow, my husband's dead. <laughs> I like that because a lot of times none of the reflection of, you know, what happened occurs in slasher movies that like people, people that you know and love died. Um, this one gets into that a little bit more. You know, Karen has has time to think about what happened, you know, just a couple hours beforehand and that her life is irrevocably changed. Um, I like that. Um, I like the more intimate scenes, the, uh, the, um, big John and little John scene I've mentioned. I think that that works pretty well. It's kind of reminiscent of Halloween 2018, uh, time when they, they return to like the babysitter in the house. Um, the other thing that I, I liked, uh, is the, um, that sequence where big John and little John have the trick or treaters with the Halloween three masks and they get in a reference to the Halloween two, um, razor blade in the candy where it's oh, a, a pretty good, yeah. yeah, they, they do a trick and they pretend that like, you know, that one of the kids had swallowed a razor blade and threw up and <laughs> it basically cut their intestines up i like that um it's a nice little set piece that they have that you know harkens back to halloween too but does it in a completely different way um those scenes are are good and that's again what makes me wish that halloween kills did not go so big um if i have a wish for halloween ends it's that it it goes back to basics it goes back to more intimacy it goes back to uh smaller population less people get rid of mobs um get rid of attempting to throw in a bunch of different groups of people and really just make it more of a a smaller populated slasher movie because that's really what 
slasher movies need. They can't sustain having so many people involved in the proceedings because it just does it takes away the the um tension of those moments. So what do you think of uh the ending when we get the mob justice? I think the mob justice is very stupid. <laughs> it doesn't we're, make a whole lot of sense. Did you, did you have the A team theme playing in your head as they're whooping Michael's ass? They like finally like, all right, and they're like you know timing up like perfectly, like you know they're they're you know two by four swings and you know beating the hell out of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't love that. It doesn't. I, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, because as we know and we see, he he fights off like fifteen firefighters, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, it does. I think intentionally try to do the night stalker thing. Um, the Richard Ramirez capture where the entirety of the town basically comes out, finds Richard Ramirez and, uh, takes him down, waits for the cops to come to arrest him. Um, that was the community taking action, uh, fed up with a serial killer in their midst and solving the problem. Um, because the police couldn't, in this scenario, I mean, obviously that intention is there. They're trying to solve the issue because the police seem like they're not doing their job. Um, and it doesn't work out in the way that they thought. But I do I, – I think that the whole thing is plays out a little bit silly. Um, and ultimately to the viewer, we're privy to the knowledge that, hey, this is not going to work. I mean, and, and not only that, but it's also silly because, and this is the problem with a lot of uh, proposed trilogies where you know that a third film is coming, um, you know that what they're doing is not going to work. Like as the viewer, you are privy to knowledge outside of the, the, the verisimilitude of the film. And I think that makes the whole thing feel very silly. Uh, I don't like it when a movie attempts to do something like that where – um, there's the intention of like, oh, you know, we're going to end this, uh, for now. It doesn't make sense because we know that a third film's coming. I agree. But it is funny though, because the, you like, you like, you get that triumphant, like, yeah, look at the whoop his ass. And you know, like you said, you know, like, well, what the hell is this going to amount to? And he just gets up after like, they whoop, whooped his ass. He takes them all out. Like, you know, like. Just you know, beating him added uh, a little bit more to his power, and he just goes even more on the war path and takes that fucking bat that Anthony Michael Hall's carrying around, old Huckleberry, and like shoves it right up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you have anything else that you wanted to to talk about that we didn't get to? How about Judy Greer's end? Like, what do you think the symbolism in that was? That yeah, you know. that's a thing that I was talking about. Where I'm not really sure what they're they're trying to do here. Um, you know, what what is the actual point? So Judy Greer obviously is the is the um, epitome of good, and you know a person that does the best that they can in the situation. So she obviously is trying to save this, this uh, escaped mental patient from the mob and does what she can. And obviously it doesn't amount to 
anything really, but she she did her best. And uh, so at the end, Michael still does not care that that attempt was made because he is evil, and evil doesn't care if you're you're you know the best angel around still coming for you. But what ultimately is that saying about? you know, the intention, the moral of this Halloween trilogy. I don't know. And I think that's a problem. I don't know what they're trying to say. I don't know what the intention is going into Halloween ends. Like, are we supposed to be trying to figure out like the metaphor for how, how Halloween ends? I, I don't know. I think that's a, you know, that, that, that's a writer's problem. Why don't we understand the metaphor here? And maybe, like, did you get something out of it that I didn't? Because I, I, I literally do not know what they're trying to say. I think the only reason they killed her at the end was just because, um, as the, Judy, um, as Jamie Lee Curtis and like the officer having their talk about how evil never dies. You think, you know, just think you think it's gone. You can close your eyes and everything's gonna be back to normal, but it won't be. And you see her, you know, kind of doing that, like. We did it, and then you know Michael just being like, "No, fuck you." Yeah, so, I mean, I get, just, I get so, the but, point of of you know doing that, but I feel like the overarching metaphor, the moral, it, it doesn't. There's not really any because she was she was still part of the mob. Yeah, I don't. I just don't. I feel like it's cluttered. It doesn't. It doesn't come together well. Well, it's not like it's not only cluttered, but like who the hell is going to be the star in the third one? Because not only was did Jamie Lee Curtis take a backseat, Allison didn't fucking do anything in this film either. True. Yep. It, this film was Judy Greer hour, which is a good thing because she's the best part of this film. She seems like the only one to even have like any uh, investment, and in everyone else kind of seems like they just don't give a shit. So it's going to be interesting. Like what the hell? Like what? What's what are we gonna? You know, like you said, like like and you said too. Like where? Like where do they go from here? Because it's obviously not gonna pick up the night after. You know, are we gonna like go to like oh, 1985 at the sanatorium? Michael's uh playing Chinese checkers with a fellow patient. <laughs> supposed to pick up four years later. So what is he doing? Hiding in the woods? That's a good question. You know, what's what will he do for is three he, Halloweens? Dis- disappear into the ether and, you know. I don't know. All right. So. Out of. Ten dead guy dicks. What would you give Halloween kills? probably give it a six. I mean, it's it's tedious. It's not well executed nor well thought out. I admire, like, some of the things that they tried to do. Um, and it's not as... It's one of those... Like, we kind of discussed this when we were do- talking about the ward. It's not like the rest of, like, most of the Halloween sequels after three, where it's like, you know, schlock territory. 
Like, where they're like, okay, they're so bad, like, you can find humor and enjoyment out of it. This here is just pure mediocrity. Like, it looks good, the film's shot well, has the budget behind it, the kills are, in, you know, aren't that, like, interestingly done, but they're executed well to where, the, you know, you do have, like, a visceral reaction. Um, it's, like, not, like, it's not a bad-made film, but it's also not, like, the most enjoyable film to watch, like you said, it's fast but it's slow. And like for an hour and forty five minutes, it's at times you feel like, what the hell? Like, did they talk about? And then like you're like, God, will they fucking hurry this up? And that's like the greatest sin of this film is that it's just a fucking mediocre film. It has some good ideas, they just didn't execute. I think the biggest issue is they they didn't know what the hell to do coming off the first one where to take it, what to do, if they wanted to remake the second one, if they wanted to go into a different direction, and we got a hodgepodge of ideas that are kind of just in incomprehensible mess at times. They should have just fucking remade Halloween 2, but put it in the future. Would have been fine. Would have been much more tolerable. Would have been much more enjoyable. And then you add the flashbacks that they did, like, you know, to flesh it out. So I'd say six out of ten. Yeah, we give it. I would give it a seven out of ten. I think it's it's fine. It's not bad, but it's not great, and it certainly pales. It, I I think it it loses some of the steam that Halloween twenty eighteen had built up to it. I th- I've actually I watched Halloween twenty eighteen before I watched Halloween Kills, and I still think that Halloween twenty eighteen is a pretty good movie. Um, does a lot of things well. It, um created a nice mythos for Michael where the other films don't exist. And I think that Howling Kills kind of squanders that. It gets rid of the intensity of that movie. It um, tries to build up too much, tries to do too much at a time. Um, and it really doesn't know what to do with all of those things. And so they all kind of fall flat. Um, I wish that it had focused more on 1978, do, done like more of an alternate timeline of Halloween 2. Um, because those are the most interesting things about the movie. And if it had kind of just been able to take a step back a little bit and and uh, refocus and try not to have such large set pieces, I feel like it could have been a little bit more um, um, effective in how it does some of its its uh, kills and, and scarier sequences. At this point, I think Michael has kind of lost some of the effectiveness of being a stalker instead and and to be honest with you you know halloween is what they call a stalk stalk film it's not you know it's 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 not even necessarily a slasher there's not a lot of slashing in it it's a stalking film and this movie takes away a lot of the stalking elements of michael instead he's now just a killer um i think that gets rid of some of the intensity, the mystery of him. Um, I don't know that they really know what they want to do with Michael as a, I guess, as a creature of murder, of evil. Um, I got the feeling they intended us to think something about what Michael's doing, but I wasn't sure what it was. Um, 
And so I, I just feel like it's just a kind of a mess of different things and it does not come together like Halloween 2018 does. And so I think, you know, it's a fine movie. Like you said, well shot, well put together, good, good, uh, cinematography, um, good score. But other than that, everything else about it is just really, um, mediocre, um, not super well written, sometimes cringy and it just kind of wipes out some of my excitement for this trilogy, especially going into Halloween ends in 2022. So that's unfortunate. All right, so that ends our So Creepy It's Carpenter Halloween series. We hope you had a blast spending it with us, spending all of Halloween with us as we went through September and October. Halloween is just around the corner. When this show releases, uh, it's going to be two days away. Two more days to Halloween, Halloween. So um, wishing you a happy Halloween. Hope you enjoy your your Sunday the 31st. Um, Just to note, Halloween three is it takes place Sunday the thirty first, so Perfect it, it perfectly matches up with this year. Yep. So, um, and as I as I said, we've we've got like two days, um, before when this episode releases, uh, before Halloween. So go back and listen to all of our Halloween episodes that we did, as well. Look at that! See, look, the screen poster is awesome. Oh, with the like the cabin winter forest thing that creates the ghost face mask. No, no, this one's just ghost face mask with a knife. It says just it's always somebody you know. Oh, okay, yeah. There's another one too, uh, which is really cool. That's like a winter forest scene that creates ghost face masks. It's 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 awesome. Can't wait to see it. I can't wait because you know what? It's probably probably not even gonna end up being someone we know. <laughs> yeah right. You're like, wow. Bring who's that? Who's that? That's the random guy from the first film that you saw. It like bring Stu back. You know they probably want to. I want to. <laughs> so, so we had mentioned before. You you said who's gonna? Who's one of the main cast that's gonna die and scream? And I said Dewey. But also, could it be Dewey who is doing the killing? No, that'd be too obvious. You don't think so? No, because at the same, I don't think at the same time any of them would do it because I think they've all, you know, they've all, uh, they've all been in it for so long. It's ScarJo. <laughs> no, it's gonna be Emma Watson. It's ScarJo as an Asian man. <laughs> I can betray anybody. <laughs> Oh, not Emma Watson. Sorry, Emma Roberts. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna rewatch Scream Four. I love that movie. So we're gonna take. Oh, you know who it could oh. be? It could be uh, old Hayden uh, Pantier because we didn't see her actually die. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we're gonna take a one week break after the Halloween season. Uh. Mm. And then. Um, I don't know what we're gonna do next because we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit of time before our Thanksgiving episode. 
Maybe we'll try to get in one of those Marvel movies that we didn't uh, we didn't do. <laughs> uh, we're just, we're done with that. <laughs> we're done. We've we've moved on from Marvel and DC films. Uh, <laughs> we're just so tired. The franchise is so tired. I'm like so done with all those films. Like I don't even want to see the Batman. Like mm. I just I just don't give a shit anymore. And now that we're so far behind on DC and Marvel, it's like I can't be bothered now. Like it's like so overwhelming just to think of like, oh, I like got twenty hours of movies to watch. Yeah, it is true. And TV shows. You know, we could do Rocky. Yeah, Rock, Rocky's a Thanksgiving movie. Oh yeah. Well, our next episode isn't going to be thanksgiving i wasn't thinking yet or maybe it, you want to be maybe you want to do a whole little thanksgiving no there was not enough movies in that well to well one of the movies that we have not done before that i think we probably should do um is i mean it's not technically a thanksgiving movie but um blood rage is it, it, kind of it's 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 a Thanksgiving horror movie, and we haven't done that one yet. I think that would be a good one to do. So we could do two weeks of Thanksgiving movies and do, um, like we Rocky could, and Blood Rage. Still have to make up Bloodsport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From leftover from White Hot Action Summer. Do so we'll see. We'll see what we end up doing. Do another Rep Brown movie. Yeah. So. Like I said, we're going to take a break uh, for a week and then come back in two weeks and uh, and do another another uh, episode. It won't be a Halloween episode. Maybe it will be a Thanksgiving episode. You'll have to see. You'll have to tune in. We'll, so, do, we'll do No Time to Die. <laughs> set, set aside five hours. <laughs> so uh, subscribe to us. Leave us a nice review. You know you want to so that you get updates on all of our new episodes. Uh, we're on pretty much any podcasting app you can think of. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, our home base at anchor.fm. We are on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for us on there, Blood and Black Crumb Podcast. We have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash blood and black crumb podcast where you can donate to us, help us buy beer. And you can write to us at our email, blood and black crumb podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what movies you want us to cover, and we will certainly take that into consideration. Thank you for listening to all of our so creepy it's carpenter series for the halloween season of 2021 and we will see you back in two weeks for another episode take care they're squirmy and wormy and purple and green the grossest little creatures that you've ever seen build a monster mold with the colored plastic goop and make a creepy crawler from a yucky monster soup. They're ucky, yucky, squirmy, wormy, very scary, sometimes hairy, squiggly, wiggly, creepy, crawling. Creepy, crawling. Gross out your sister. Embarrass your dad. You can be a little creep without being bad. So Creepy It's Carpenter is a two-month Halloween series featuring the best and the worst of Carpenter's horror movies, included The Fog, Ghost of Mars, Christine, and more. The Thing and They Live sold separately.